Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Fran Ayala Somayajula. She's the Global Healthcare Solutions HP head. For over 20 years, Fran has been an executive in healthcare, a strategist and technologist. She's been dedicated to serving the interests of populations around the world in an effort to improve the quality of healthcare, provision access to healthcare, and increase health literacy and patient engagement. Currently, she's the Global Healthcare Population Health Information Technology and Innovation Lead for HP, as mentioned previously. There, she directs the organization in the development of strategies and innovations designed to advance and deliver improved clinical outcomes and better population health. Prior to HP, Fran worked for major healthcare institutions, including the WHO, CDC, BMS, and UHG. Fran holds degrees in epidemiology, public health, information technology, and a certification in project and clinical trial management. She's actively involved in the community of community-minded initiatives, such as rare disease patient advocacy and the application of tech services for the promotion of aging with independence and community connectedness. In 2015, Fran was a contributing writer on the fact sheet submitted to the White House Conference on Aging, and in 2017, co-author of the Leading Age White Paper on Social Connectedness and Engagement Technology for Long-Term and Post-Acute Care. As you've heard and uh, will hear throughout our discussion, she's very engaged and with the hope of awakening the thoughts and actions in population health and health technology. So with that, Fran, I just want to give you a warm welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Saul. Absolutely. Now, Fran, what got you into healthcare? Well, I've always been in healthcare. I guess if I, that's just been my uh, my career from the beginning, but I, I think that if there were a moment at which I contemplated healthcare as an industry to pursue, it was really focused on you know my uh, interest in being in, involved in initiatives that were significantly meaningful um, and had significantly meaningful impact. And I think that certainly uh, health as an, a major indicator of the quality of life is sort of fundamental and uh, makes for an area where significant impacts can be made. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Fran. And and so as you think about, you know, you, you've, you've covered a lot of ground, you've worn a lot of different hats in the industry from public policy to technology. So what would you say is a hot topic that needs to be on health leaders agenda? And how are you and your organization addressing that? Unfortunately, it's the ones that are kind of persistent in the industry of healthcare, and that really is around things like reducing the number of unnecessary deaths, you know, really focusing in on addressing medical errors and, and hospital-acquired infections and mm-hmm. not only misdiagnosis, but missed diagnoses, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Those are the challenge areas. Those remain amongst the, the hot topics. I mean, we can say, yeah, look, we need to drive down costs, but we have to also recognize that certainly that all of these issues are, are contributing to the ever-rising cost of healthcare. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely, those are big core issues that are happening. So I'd love to hear maybe some of the work that you've done at, at HP to, to help address some of those that are improving 
outcomes and improving results, or maybe in another uh, area of your of your career? Yeah, sure. So I think you know across the board. Well, I have worked in all different segments, right? I've worked for international non governmental organizations. I've worked for federal as well as state government. I've worked in private sector. I worked for biopharmaceutical for a long time. And now, you know, being in working with both small as well as with big industry corporations such as HP. And one of the things that's been consistent around all of them has been around education. From a product perspective, uh, how that translates with HP, obviously it's been around technology, but creation of technologies that really focus in on improving care delivery, improving ways in which patients are able to participate and engage. And for us, a great example of this is that you know, is our one of our new lines, our healthcare edition product portfolio that's focused on products that are safer, secure, and smarter. That's one of the areas where we're really in putting our commitment into. And so an example of that is like I was talking about unnecessary deaths and, you know, and hospital acquired infections. One of the things we've done is create a line of products that are designed to help to control infectious disease by making products that are fully sanitizable as an example. But even in the creation of these products, the thing that is consistent with this product or any product or service offering that I've ever been engaged in or programs that I've had to implement, it's really been around the education, increasing the amount of awareness around the challenges and some of the areas of vulnerability that if we could address could help us to minimize some of the the burdens that we're that are persistent in care. So as an example, you know, we don't think about endpoint devices, all the computers that are in uh, hospitals and how, you know, what role they can, you know, they play in contributing to mm. um, the spread of disease. So being able to, to have a product line that's focused on on that aspect is something that's pretty powerful. And yet there's a lot of education that has to go into bringing awareness to the value that's that's brought with these by these line of products. That's super interesting, right? And, and something that you don't typically think about your computer, but in fact, you know, anything that a human touches and works with could be part of the chain that leads to a healthcare acquired infection, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. So I think it's a really, really, uh, really good insight that you're sharing here. Yeah, I think so. There are just so many examples of that. And then, you know, there are other things, right? Like being able to get clinicians back to doing what they intended to do when they went into practice, which was being able to spend more time with patients. And today there's a lot of complaint around the increased amount of administrative work that is having to be done and, and that minimizing the amount of time, the, you know, the, the seven minutes, all, all seven minutes that a, mm-hmm. the physician has to actually interact with a patient. So, you know, incorporating new features and functionalities like embedded RFID readers and fingerprint readers directly into the devices themselves or improving the acoustic and record a voice capability of devices so that uh, dictation can be done hmm. faster and easier with, you know, with greater accuracy. They seem very subtle, but they have, you know, they can have really big impacts on performance and, and that's, you know, those things matter. So that's what we've kind of been about these days. Yeah, they certainly matter in a big way. And Fran, if you had to point to to maybe one particular thing that that you guys have done that's made a difference, what would that be? I know you guys have done a lot, but if you had to choose one. Yeah, I would say, well, one great example would be the Wonder Program 
the WONDER program is focused on maternal mortality prevention. That's kind of been one of the highlights, in fact, in my career because we won an award, the, the Green Electronic Council Catalyst Award. Oh, congratulations. Uh, for, thank you. Yeah, that was a big deal. And, and, and one of the reasons why it was a big deal is because it was focused on catalyzing impact at scale. Hmm. And so our ability to work with a nonprofit organization to create a solution that enables clinicians to have access to the data, it's basically decision support. Um, mm-hmm. trees to be able to determine or identify patients, parent, uh, that is uh, expected mothers who are at high risk for preeclampsia and eclampsia so that they get care earlier, as well as those with severe anemia. That's huge because if we're able to identify those patients and begin to treat them sooner, then we're able to do things like reduce hemorrhage during labor, mm-hmm. which is, is an unfortunate cause of over 300,000 lives around the world every year. Yeah. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. And yeah, I think a lot of people underestimate the size of this problem, even the, in the United States. I mean, it's, it's gotten worse. Yeah. So yeah, I think the it's great that you, you guys are focused there. Yeah. And the numbers, they, they are unfortunately increasing. And the interesting thing is that there is an increase in, it seems like we're like, where we have had successes, we sometimes get a little bit like, Uh, lacks. Mm -hmm. And so we take them for granted. So as an example, tuberculosis, right? We're starting to see an increase in tuberculosis. We're starting to see an increase in measles. And these are, I'm not not on this podcast, talk about, you know, the benefits of of vaccination or immunizations, but they play a role. And it's not just about the vaccination immunization. It's about the education, right? People understanding, having a better understanding is really important. And it's also about, you know, knowing the signs and the symptoms and know what to do and how to, and how to prevent. Hmm. And that's one thing that technology has an, uh, the ability to do is it has the ability to create access for folks who used to not have access and, you know, break down some of those barriers to care. So. Hmm. Yeah. Super interesting. And all roads lead back to education. Yep, they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, such a simple thing, but it's super powerful. And I'm glad you, you brought that up, Fran, and, and kudos to you and, and your team for winning that award for such an important focus. You know, uh, mother and infant mortality shouldn't happen. So uh, just want to recognize you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. How about the other side, uh, Fran? Can you tell us about a time when something didn't work? And what you learned from it. Yeah. The, you know, that one's always a hard one, right? People don't like to talk about failures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? It's true. I know, it's true. But I am going to share. So and I'm going to be a candid about this. So everybody's like, innovation, 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 right? Like, you right. got to like, innovate. And sometimes when you innovate, you innovate things that create new categories of technology. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to kind of broadly speak to it, but you know, we introduce some really amazing immersive compute technologies, mm-hmm. and they definitely have, totally have a, a place in the market. And, and it's not like you created this technology and then you're just trying to find a place or home for it. It's really right. like, you know, there are problems and we saw the problems first and we're like, hey, what if we did X, Y, Z, right? And we sort of built these immersive compute technologies, but there were new categories mm-hmm. of sort of blended blended realities or merged realities. And in the beginning, and even still now, it's a new, it's a new category of technology. And, and what has, has happened, and going back to that word education again, mm-hmm. is that when you create a new category of technology, 
it's not always easy to enter in the market. The market's not always ready. Right. And even when you like say, wow, this particular technology can help you to increase education with patients. It can help you to collaborate better with your, you know, with your peers and they get it. They don't actually get it right. They, they're still yeah. reluctant or hesitant to, to onboard something that categorically is new. And when they look to their left or their right, they don't see their neighbors or their competitors. They don't say, uh, you know, the Joneses, right, mm-hmm. are using it. And and they're like, the question becomes, do we really want to be the first? How far out do we want to be the first? And where are we willing to be the first? So sometimes that becomes a problem. And and the result of that is is that then you also have to think about the nature of the industry. Your investors, your stakeholders aren't always so patient. Educating a market on new technology takes time. And when there's an impatience, then the result is you might come out with the greatest things in sliced bread, but people just aren't about it and they're not, they don't have the tolerance because they're not seeing the return as quickly as they'd like to see it. In our world, in the world of technology, that time can be like 12 to 18 months. I mean, it can mm-hmm. be short-lived. By the time you've got the product out, you have to, it has to already be selling itself or you yeah. know, you're, the life cycle on it, the lifespan is, is short, yeah. right? And so I've I've hit up against that in an immersive compute, and that was that was a really really harsh lesson that I had to learn. Yeah, it's a great call out, Fran. And you know, I think it for a while, it, you know, voice is a great example, right? Like it, when it came out, right? Like voice technology. Yes. There's so many solutions that could have worked, but the timing wasn't right. Today, the timing's right. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you know, you know, right. and, yeah. And, it, you know, one of my favorite quotes is there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, is, that is so true. And in fact, you know, there are quite a few books that they talk about, like, oh, what creates for, you know, success, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. the next big thing. And the number one on the list is it's just timing. It's like, you know, you just have to have the right timing. Yeah. No, right. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people listening to this have solutions. And a lot of people listening to this care and want to make a difference. But the reality is you got to make a difference at the right time, especially when yeah. it comes to technology. Yeah. So, with, you know, but what comes with that is this challenge about like, well, then how do you figure out for how long do you persist? Because mm-hmm. that other element of like, you know, being a leader and being ahead is, you know, that persistence, right? That diligence. Right. And for how long do you go after it at all costs, right? <laughs> like, yeah. what do you do? And especially if you're a startup and entrepreneur, like, how do you gauge that? It's almost like, is there a way to sort of put something on ice uh, long enough to like, let it like, you know, it's not like let it die, but just like yeah. kind of let it be preserved, you know, long enough to shape the market in other ways, influence the market in other ways. And then you have an opportunity to reintroduce your technology, reintroduce your solution. That's almost kind of what you sort of need to do, but it's not, it's not easy. That's the art, you know, yeah. that's, that's the art of business, you know, and, and it's a, it's like a common, you're bringing up some really great, a great discussion here, Fran. And, you know, the art is figuring out the timing, the science is the cash flow solving the need, right? right, right. Without the cash flow, your, you know, your car is not going to go anywhere. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know if you remember that documentary, who killed the electric car? <laughs> oh no, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, it's a documentary. It's it's a little dated. It's called Who Killed the Electric Car? And then, of course, you know, these documentaries sometimes are really heavily slanted. But it yeah. talks about the industry and how all of the stakeholders, right, the ecosystem, and those who were, everybody has their own um, mission, hmm. right? And so they're all kind of combating. And obviously, you know, an electric car isn't those who are 
producers of oil are not, you know, as equally fond right. necessarily of the electric car, right? So at least we forget the timing has come. Sort of, it's it's now in full, um, uh, full fad, right? Full, yeah. it's trendy. So the electric car is now kind of getting or has its its place, and you can you know roll up to to a parking lot and charge up while you're shopping. <laughs> That yeah. used to not be the case. And yet electric cars have been around a really long time. Like they're, they're having example. a rebirth. That's a great yeah. example. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's uh, such a real, real challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders. And so definitely something to to think about and consider. What about the other side of the coin, Fran? Tell us about one of your most proud moments in the business of healthcare you've had. Yeah. So when I think about that, I guess there's, there's sort of two. Well, first I shared about the award that we won with uh, Wonder. I think there's a lot of work to still be done there, but that definitely was, you know, one of the most recent highlights. The other thing is, has been really around education programs that I'm participating in, in mm-hmm. regards to aging and technology. Every day in the U.S., over 10,000 people turn the age of 65 and globally by 2030, there'll be more people over the age of 65 than under the age of 18. You know, I, I've heard this stat many times, but I, if you don't mind, I'd like to just park on that for a second yeah, yeah. To, to appreciate the seriousness of this. So the number is 10,000 people every day. Yes. Will turn 65. And, and for how long will this happen, Fran? We're looking at it for approximately the next 10 plus years. You, That's you insane. To, yeah, 10 to 15 years. Because remember, you've got the baby boomers. And we're not just right. talking United States. We're talking globally, right? This yeah. is already hitting like Japan and, and China, all over the world. I mean, so, so it, you, know, you, don't think of, you don't think about it, but let's, let me give you just really quickly, so yeah. a really quick yeah, example, yeah, okay? Yeah. Like you go to the airport, okay? So yep. I travel all the time, all right? Mm-hmm. And there are probably a lot of listeners to your podcast who are like myself. They're, you know, they're, they're in an airplane warriors. right now. They're in an airplane, exactly. <laughs> and- it used to be you go to the airport and it's just a bunch of guys in suits, right? Mm-hmm. A thousand suits, okay? Mm-hmm. And of course, if you go on the weekends, then that's when you see the families, yes. right? But what you're starting to see more and more is, you ever noticed that the pre-board lines are getting longer? Yeah. The pre-board lines you are getting longer. This. Yeah. So you don't think about it, but the pre-board lines are getting longer. And you know you just have to yeah it's 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 there that's just a you know a really quick example from oh, you know, a from a business example. perspective seeing it and there's a lot of good in it mm-hmm. right you know we're an aging population means that people are are living longer and we have more they have more experience to share and contribute and we you know it's really a great opportunity to begin to seize that but the important thing is that we make sure that we do create a to create a, an environment, a, a world that's inclusive, that that really um, enables participation, and that and that's also um, the case when it comes to technology. And so, one of the areas that we're focused on, I love our mission statement of HP right now. And, what is it? You know, it's improving the lives of all people everywhere. And when I think about that, in terms of, that's powerful, right? It is. And, yeah, it and, is. Uh, that's just something that I can really get behind, and it and it then it comes out in the the you know the message that I'm giving a lot lately around designing for all in healthcare, the opportunity to leverage technology to reach you know adult older adult populations. We have this tendency to think that older adults you know or aka seniors are not interested in technology, which is so far from the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, we have to consider uh, consumer choice. And the types of um, 
solutions that we present. And that means we have to be willing to introduce multiple different form factors. You know, one size doesn't always fit all when it comes to technology. So, you know, really focusing on not just like, you know, smartphones are great and tablets are great, but all-in-one PCs are super popular amongst older adults. We did a study where we had uh, non-branded devices that were placed in front of an, a group that was average age about uh, 73 years of age. Mm-hmm. And it was an 8-inch, 10-inch, 12-inch device, the choice was a 12-inch device. They want to be able to see and hear. And then the perception of something being larger is a little bit more uh, stable, right? Huh. More stable, yeah. more yeah, secure. Yeah. So these are form factors that have all the same capability of enabling participation in remote patient monitoring and telehealth. And I'm involved with a group called Self-Help Community Services. They're out mm-hmm. of um, Manhattan. But they're, they have a program called the Virtual Senior Center. And it's nationwide. They've got folks from you know as far west as as uh, San Diego and as far east as Boston. So they're you know they've got this huge population. It's really awesome. And it's a virtual senior center. So essentially, every it's the senior center. So you have all your you know your tai chi, your your chair yoga. You've yeah. got a you know, book club, etc. But everything you find at a senior center, but it's virtual. It's all online. And they oh, was, yeah, yeah, it's hmm. all online. And they had this. And what was great is this one participant. One of them is uh, she turned 100 years old back in, at the end of February. She got her first computer at the age of 89. <laughs> Did she really? Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That is really cool. And you know what she says today? She wow. says that her computer is her lifeline. Wow. And the things that she points to are like, I'm able to get online and see people who are like me. Because you think about it, when you're 100, while the number is increasing, there still aren't a lot of people around, right? Right. right? So when she's online, she's able to see people in her age. She actually used the language Google. That When she Googles, she's able to you know, find uh, people who are her own age. She can amazing. relate. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing. It, and it creates a new space for innovation and opportunity, right? This is a major market, and there have been studies showing that they have. I'm cautious about calling it disposable income, but they have, you know, disposable income, and so of course they're going to be prudent about the way that they spend it. But if of you've course. got the right product and service, there's a market. It's a huge market. Super interesting. Yeah. Love yeah. your insights, Fran. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I'm, I'm excited about it. So when you say like, what I are some of the things yeah. now, this is one of the areas where I'm really excited about what we can do. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, there's no doubt you're, you're a thinker in the space and uh, definitely stretching our, our thinking here as, as listeners uh, of your message. So what's an exciting project? What are you most excited about today? Yeah, I think that that would be, of course, one, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, the work that we're doing in regards to aging and technology. But the other would also be around within population health, we have what's called uh, FIT Solutions, HP FIT Solutions, P-H-I-T. Okay. So it's population oh. health information technology. And oh, okay. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. I like that. Yeah. I, like, I like it. I like it. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a fun one. So, so it's like, okay, well, what is it? But what, what it really is, it's around, really centered in around extending the continuum of care outside the four walls, the clinical setting. And when we talk about things like telehealth and remote patient monitoring, especially in industry, there's a tendency to focus in on the, on the institution itself. Right. So let's just do that for just a second. Really quickly, I just kind of explain that, like, when you yeah. think about that, the IT organizations within a healthcare facility are focused on the enterprise, the inside of those four walls. Their primary 
focus is on making sure that the clinician and the administrators are able to deliver care within those facilities. And yes. now that we've created programs like remote patient monitoring, right? Well, not created, they've been around a long time, but they're finally like having their day as well, right? They're finally yeah. being adopted and the reimbursements are coming. Then with that, we're seeing this, this increase in adoption, but it's becoming a little, there's sort of a ceiling that's being hit in terms of the scale because mm-hmm. these IT organizations are not designed to support. They don't have the capacity. And in some, and in, to be quite honest, brutally honest, they don't have the skill sets necessarily to support the delivery of care outside the four walls of the clinical setting. Mm-hmm. So imagine a patient who's being asked to participate in a program and, you know, like maybe they're a, a post-heart attack patient, right? Post-MI patient being sent home and you want to be able to, the clinician, the, the cardiologist wants to be able to monitor this patient in their home. Well, you know, the way that we would do this with an, a remote patient monitoring program is to give them a kit. And that kit would be all, would have, you know, everything they need, like a blood pressure cuff, a weight yes. scale, maybe even a, a Bluetooth-enabled pill box to make sure they're taking their medication because that's one mm-hmm. of the big problems is people not taking medication. Yep. Right? The adherence challenge. So when we ask for that to be done, well, we've got small-scale programs right now for the most part that are running. And the ability for the majority of organizations to go beyond the 150 or the 1,500 patients to be able to touch the lives of 1.5, right, which is kind of average number of heart disease patients coming in and out of a hospital facility, is something that an IT organization with enterprise is not prepared to be able to do. So what we're focused on is, is we have a model that's really designed around that to become like a single source provider of multi-OS. Like not only does HP have Windows and and Android and Chrome devices, we also have what's called HP Dash for Apple, which Mm. is an agreement we have with Apple, which enables customers to be able to source Apple devices through HP with HP services wrapped around it that enable Mm. us to be able to manage across all operating systems. And we're able to do the kidding and the disposal and the, you know, the, the, um, in addition to the deployment and the configuring of those devices, which really t- lifts, uh, takes a lot of burden off of the IT organizations. And it makes uh, for better confidence from the clinical teams who are wanting to participate in these programs. Because there are a lot of them out there who want to do it, but they're needing something that's a bit more turnkey. And they need it really, quite frankly, from global providers, right, like ourselves who have that, you know, have that universal presence and enable us to be able to provide things like technical support. From our perspective, it's kind of like we are really at the point where we're creating an offering that's as easy as when you purchase a printer. Everybody knows HP for its printers. And when you think about the first time you get a printer, you take it home, you open it. It's so simple to plug in. Very simple. Right. And, you know, it's plug and play. We have basically are trying to help organizations to have that same experience with remote patient monitoring. And it's not just for I the clinicians, that. but for the patients. For the patients, yeah. Yeah. Because they're the it's ones. easy for the patients. They're the ones using it, right? Yep, yep. yep. Fascinating. That is yeah. exciting. And I love the the parallel, right? As the, as you said it, I look left at my HP printer. <laughs> and I'm like, that was easy to unpack. That was easy. It should be that easy for when, you know, your loved one is needing to better manage their care and they're given, you know, a kit to take home and creating that confidence. That's what we want to be able to do. So we've been testing it out. We try to go with some of the most uh, challenging areas to make that happen. That's why the Wonder Program was so awesome because when we first started, we started it in parts of India in off-road terrain where you, you couldn't even put an off-road vehicle on mm-hmm. in those areas. You have to go by foot. 
We started there. We wanted wow. to go to the most challenging areas. Uh, we started with all older adult populations. If Sarah Francis, who's a, a 99-year-old uh, Cleveland resident, is able to do it, and she did. She received a kit. She has um, congestive heart failure and received a kit in the mail and was able to just push a button, turn it on, and step on a scale. We want that for everybody. We want it to be that simple. That's powerful. Very yeah. powerful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So Fran, getting close to the end here, we, we've got the lightning round followed by a book you recommend to the listeners and then we'll wrap up. You ready for that? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Yeah, I think the best way to improve healthcare outcomes is to really be clear about the outcomes that you're trying to create. I think but prior to the podcast, I sort of explained, you have to contemplate when we say healthcare outcomes, are we talking about the industry and outcomes for the industry? Are we talking about healthy outcomes, health outcomes for patients? I think we need to be really sincere about whose needs we're trying to service. If it's the needs of the patients and their care, personal caregivers, then that sort of changes the dialogue and the way that we think. I think it's important that we get pretty you know, genuine about what kind of outcomes we're trying to, to achieve. Otherwise, uh, I think that what we will see is this continuous draw out of our ability to achieve outcomes at the, you know, achieve the rates of success that we'd like to have because our, our interests are in the wrong, the wrong place. What would you say is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I guess when I think about it, it would probably be trying to assume that because something worked well in the past, that it's going to continue to work well in the future. The demographics are changing. People's interests are changing. Technology is changing. The way we're able to do things today is changing. And you got to be willing to be open and receptive to that and stop feeling so vulnerable. You know, I like to think about artificial intelligence, right? AI and the things that it can, can do to help us to better diagnose, as an example. Physicians shouldn't see that as a threat. They should just see that as an extra tool in their arsenal of tools to help them to deliver better care. So they do have more time to converse with the patients and, and go deeper into what's, what's going on with their patients. Love that. And what would you say is the best way to stay relevant despite constant change? Well, I think there's sort of, well, a couple of really quick things. One, I'd say it's uh, you have to be willing to be exposed, take on some risks. And part of that is having a culture that's, you know, of education being willing to take time out to learn about and discover what's new and what's what new innovations are coming and to also be open and bring in diverse talent not just age ethnicity and gender but also you know think about different experiences and skill sets transferable skill sets that can serve your your organization and help you move in a, in a new direction and get ahead what's an area of focus that drives everything in your work well, innovation, of course, for us is it, right? I mean, that's the big thing, but it's not just innovation for innovative sake and, or for novelty. I think it's around a commitment to quality and accessibility. We see a lot of amazing companies and a lot of folks come to us wanting to partner, but you know, you got the quality and the product has to be there. You just can't skip on that. That's so important. And creating the accessibility, um, making it accessible. If people can't access it and you you know and get access to it to be able to use it then it won't be used and then what good is that so. powerful i love that and fran these these next two are a little more on a personal note for the listeners to get to know you what's your number one health habit well the number one is i try to get sleep yeah <laughs> that's number <laughs> sleep one is key. sleep and you know they all they say that sitting is the new smoking so i'm standing more or, or <laughs> yeah. more these days i got a standing desk those would be oh my, did you nice yeah i did i Good did so 
But now my issue is I have to remember to like, you know, use the motor, push that button. (laughs) 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 So I had to put a timer on it, (laughs) like a little bus, a little clock. (laughs) It's now time to stand up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I love it. (laughs) It's true though. It is so true. It is true. It is true. (laughs) And, And Fran, what would you say your number one success habit is? Uh, seek first to understand and then be understood. Hmm. I really try to spend a lot of time understanding what's going on. And that's not always easy. Sometimes I'm one of those people who will, I'll fold my arm and then put my, my finger up to my lip or up to my chin, right? Like the chin mm-hmm. and lip kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, make I sure that, yeah, just that's really a reminder to, to be quiet to myself so that my lips don't move so that I'm able to listen. Because it's hard to listen if you're talking. I love that. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Two years, one mouth, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, Fran, what book would you recommend to the listeners? I struggle with this one a little bit when people ask that kind of question. The first one on a business note, I always say like, oh, Shackleton's Way, you know, Leadership Lessons. Because in Shackleton's Way, he talks about, you know, his explorations and you hear that story. And there's a lot in not just leadership, followership as well, and being able to overcome hurdles. So I think that would that would be one, one big one. Great recommendation. So folks, uh, for the show notes, as well as links to the books recommended, an entire transcript of our discussion, go to outcomesrocket.health. And in the search bar, type in Fran, F-R-A-N. You're going to find it there and just uh, be able to interact with the content that we put on the website. Fran, this has been tremendous. Uh, Really appreciate the insights. Leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation. Sure. Gosh, closing thoughts. I would say be brave, be bold, just be you and be willing to step into the unknown. Go beyond the surface talk. It's just, there's just so much noise out there. Go drive a little deeper, really focus on understanding your customers, your partners, your competitors. And not only that, but also being willing to to be vulnerable and understand yourself. There's Jahari's window. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever heard of Jahari. Yeah, right. That's powerful. What you, you know, what you know about your, what you don't know about yourself, what others don't know about you. And uh, it's very powerful. So I think go a little deeper. That's what I leave you with. (laughs) Love that. And you know what? And, And I love your call to action that not just with your customers and patients, but also with yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. And then if if folks want to continue the conversation with you, Fran, where would they do it? Oh, they can do it on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on, the, on LinkedIn and it's, I think it's uh, FA Walls is the little tag there. So yeah. We'll um, put it in the show notes. That would so be folks, awesome. Yep. If you want to connect with Fran, go to outcomesrocket.health and the search bar type in Fran. We'll leave a link there for you to connect with her on LinkedIn. Fran. A blast. Thank you so I much know, for, your, for your so thoughts. Much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's been amazing. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.